Greetings, friends and family. It is the weekend of Sunday, November the 1st, and I hope that this finds you and yours doing well. Just as a way of um, a personal aside, I want to thank you on behalf of my family and all of the Baranowski family and all of our church family for your prayers and your love for us over these last um, couple of days as uh, as we said goodbye um, to Bob Baranowski on Tuesday. A memorial service for Bob will be held here at Banner Christian Fellowship on Sunday, excuse me, excuse me, on Saturday, uh, November the 7th. That is next weekend at 2 o'clock here at the church, memorial service, Saturday, November the 7th. We've been looking through the book of Philippians, and we continue that today here as we sort of land in chapter 4. Um, looking at chapter 4, verses 1 through 9, reading from the NIV. This is Paul's closing appeal for steadfastness and unity. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Eudea, and I plead with Sintichi to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or have seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Let me pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be wholly pleasing and acceptable in your sight. O Lord, strengthen our Redeemer. Amen. I've said this little story before, but I think it bodes repeating. The monks at a remote monastery deep in the woods followed a rigid vow of silence. Their vow could only be broken once a year on Christmas by one monk. That monk could speak only one, sen- one sentence. One Christmas, Brother Thomas had his turn to speak, and he said, I love the delightful mashed potatoes we have every year with the Christmas roast. Then he sat down. Silence ensued for 365 days. The next Christmas, Brother Michael got his turn and said, I think the mashed potatoes are lumpy, and I truly despise them. Once again, silence. 365 days, a full year. The following Christmas, Brother Paul rose and said, I am fed up with this constant bickering. You see, peace is hard to come by, even in a monastery deep in the woods. So, so how can we hope to find any real peace in the real world, which is so full of trouble and turmoil? How can we hope 
to find that stillness of heart, that tranquility of soul, which leads to harmony in our relationships. Well, if you're reading along at home, uh, you can look in or, or wherever you may be, um, turn into your scriptures to chapter four, Philippians, where the scripture tells us how to find real peace in the midst of trouble. Beginning with verse one, therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for my joy and crown stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. In the context, don't stand firm on your past achievements. Don't focus on our own accomplishments. Instead, focus on the Lord, and so then stand firm on Him. You see, when we stand on our past achievements, when I stand on what I have done, quote-unquote, it creates this, this pressure to keep up the momentum to outdo yourself each time and then to outdo others as well. It becomes competitive. However, when we stand on the Lord, it frees us up to be one who God has made us to be and pursue his unique high calling for us, no matter what anybody else says or what they do. And so, so if we want to find real peace, first of all, we have to stand right. We have to stand firm on Christ. We have to remain grounded on him. May 7th, 1915, the Lusitania, British ocean liner, was struck by a torpedo from a German submarine. The ship sank in matter of minutes, killing 1,198 of the 1,959, or, oh, excuse me, of the, yeah, killing um, 1,198 of the 1,959 passengers on board. And in her book, Lusitania, an epic tragedy, Diana Preston recorded the observations of one of the passengers, a, a bookseller named Charles Laurent. And as the ship was sinking and as Laurent looked around to see who needed life jackets, he noticed that among the crowds now pouring on the deck, nearly everyone who passed by him that was wearing a life jacket had it on incorrectly. And in his panic, one man had thrust one arm through an armhole and his head through the other. Others rushed past wearing them upside down. No one had read the neat little signs all around the ship telling people how to put them on. And Lerat tried to help, but some thought he was trying to take their life jackets from them and fled in terror. And Preston continues, dead and drowning people were dotting the sea like seagulls. Many bodies were floating upside down because people had put their life jackets on the wrong way up so that their heads were pushed under the water. I think that that describes us sometimes, doesn't it? Instead of the Lord, letting the Lord help us in our trouble, we flee from him in terror, trying to save ourselves. And then we wonder why we're drowning. Yet real peace comes when we depend on the Lord, when we stand firm in him, not, not in ourselves. We have to stand right And then secondly, we have to be right. That is, we have to be right with each other. We have to live in harmony with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We have to agree with each other if we want to find peace. And in Philippians 4, 2 through 3, I entreat Judea and I entreat Sintichi to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are now in the book of life. Eudea and Sintichi were two sisters in the church who couldn't get along. And Paul urges them to agree in the Lord, literally to think the same, to be of one mind, to focus on the same goal. You see, their disagreements were creating turmoil in the church, and they were hindering the forward progress of the gospel. They were not focused on Christ. They were focused on their own preferences, and peace flew out the window. 
reminds me of the story of a young rabbi who had a serious problem in his new congregation. During the Friday service, half the congregation stood for the prayers and half remained seated, and each side shouted at the other, insulting that theirs was the true tradition, and nothing that the rabbi said or did helped solve the impasse. Finally, in desperation, the young rabbi sought out the synagogue's 99-year-old founder. And he met the old rabbi in the nursing home and poured out his troubles. So tell me, he pleaded, was it the tradition for the congregations to stand during the prayers? No, answered the old rabbi. Ah, responded the younger man. Then it was the tradition to sit during the prayer. No, answered the old rabbi. Well, the young rabbi responded, what what we have is complete chaos. Half the people stand and shout at the other half, sit and scream. Ah, said the old rabbi. That was the tradition. (laughs) If we want real peace, we have to agree in the Lord. His honor and his glory must be the focus of our attention, not our own preferences. Now, in order for that to happen, we have to help each other. We have to pull together to get the task accomplished. And in verse three, Paul urges the church to help these women to help. So the word help literally means to receive together, to take hold of something together. The same word is used in Luke five, seven, where Jesus performs a miracle and Peter has more fish in his net than he knows what to do with. And he calls for his partners in another boat to come and help. Literally, he wants them to come and take hold of the fishing nets together with him so that they don't lose the fish. Well, Jesus has called us to be fishers of men. We don't need to be arguing over the color of the boat. We don't need to be critical. We must take hold of that task together. The task of bringing in the net as we fish for men and women. The task of equipping people to follow Jesus. If we're going to be right with each other, we must live in harmony with each other. We must help each other. We must be humble. And we must stop demanding that my way is the right way. And we have to yield to one another. The church where everybody gets along is, is, is really not a great picture of a church because that means it's, it's probably a pretty small group, to be honest with you. The church that's, that's messy, that has uh, you know, different, different doctrinal stands and different political bents and, and different, different orders of service and different things that we hold as valuable, that church, that church is the church I want to be a part of because that church is real and that church has to work on unity and working out things together, which is what the Lord has called us to do. Philippians 4, 4 through 5 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Joy comes when we are reasonable. Now, that word reasonable literally means yielding. In other words, if we want to find true peace and joy, we must be willing to yield to one another. We must be willing to let others have their way instead of demanding my own way. We need to be gracious instead of being right. Carl Clausen has said that so many times over the years. Even when I'm hurt, I don't have to get all worked up and demanding. Instead, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. If we want to find real peace in the midst of trouble, first, we have to stand right. Secondly, we have to stand right. Or first, we have to stand right on Christ. Secondly, we have to be right with each other. And then thirdly, we have to pray right. We have to come to the throne of grace with the right attitude, with the right spirit. Philippians 4, 6-7, which Clark Weeks 
made me memorize, thankfully, when I was in the third and fourth grade at Oakland Baptist Church in Rock Hill, where it says, do not be anxious, do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and, and petition or prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do we want the peace of God in our heart? then we need to stop worrying. Stop being distracted by what others think. Stop being distracted by what may or may not happen if we do what we know to be right. The word anxious literally means to be drawn in different directions, to distract. Thus, to be anxious means to have distracting thoughts or concerns, thoughts and concerns about possible dangers and misfortunes that keep us from the task at hand. This is what you and I must do. We resign as sort of general manager of the universe, like take that hat off because we can't wear it anyway. In other words, I have to give up my right to control things. I have to give, give up my right to run the show just to do what's right and leave the results up to the Lord. I not be, to not be distracted by what we may or may not be. Don't be distracted by potential failure. Don't be distracted by what others think. In other words, I need to stop worrying and start praying. Commit the results to Jesus. Let, let our request be made known to God. There's an old saying which says, why pray when you can worry? <laughs> it's ironic, of course, and I love the humor of it because it reminds me that I do have a choice. I can either take the burdens of the world upon myself or I can cast my burdens on the Lord. I can either worry or I can pray. So I need to stop worrying and start praying. And grateful prayer with thanksgiving in our heart. Pastor H.B. Charles tells a story about a woman he, he knew who showed up at church and prayed the same simple prayer week after week. Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. The kids at church would start laughing every time she opened her mouth because they knew it would be the same prayer. Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Finally, somebody asked her, why do you pray that same little prayer? She said, well, I'm just combining the two prayers that I know. We live in a bad neighborhood, and some nights there are bullets flying, and I have to grab my daughter and hide on the floor, and in that desperate state, all I know how to cry out is, oh, Lord. But when I wake up in the morning and see that we're okay, I say, thank you, Jesus. When I take my baby to the bus stop and she gets on that bus and, and I don't know what's going to happen to her while she's away, I cry, oh, Lord. And then when it's three o'clock and that bus arrives and my baby is safe, I say, thank you, Jesus. She said, those are the only two prayers I know. And when I get to church, God has been so good. I just put my two prayers together. Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. You know, that's not a bad way to pray in times of trouble. Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. For when we combine prayer with thanksgiving, God's peace guards our heart and it guards our mind. And there's been a lot of that in my household over these last couple of weeks. Prayer and thanksgiving. Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. That is to say, God's peace becomes a battalion of soldiers around our head, protecting us from making stupid decisions or doing stupid things, which creates even more turmoil. Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. 
So if we want to find peace in the midst of trouble, we have to stand right, be right, pray right, and lastly, think right. Verse 8 of Philippians 4 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Dwell on the positives, not the negatives. Perspective is everything. When we focus on the negatives, even those with great wealth can feel poor. However, when we focus on the positive, those who are very poor can discover that they, in fact, are rich. Paul says to follow the example of the people who depend on Christ and live as they live. In verse 9, Paul says, What you have learned and received and heard in me and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. See, Paul lived his life in dependence upon Christ, not himself, and that's how we're to live. And as a result, we not only get the peace of God when we pray, as in verse 7, we get the God of peace. In other words, we get more than just his peace. We get him. When our life is spinning out of control, it's amazing to know Jesus is there. He knows how we feel because he's been where we are. The scripture says we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. We have a high priest. Jesus, our high priest, knows what it's like to suffer as you and I do. He knows what it's like to be tempted as we are as we are, and, and yet not fall. So in his presence, his presence brings reassurance like nothing else can. And all we have to do, all I have to do is to listen to his voice and follow his direction. It's the only way to real and lasting peace. And it starts and ends with Jesus. Stand right on Jesus. Be right with each other. Pray right. Think right. And do right as we depend on him. As a benediction, I want to read again Philippians 4, verse 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Until we're together again, may the Lord hold us all in the hollow of his hand. Amen. God bless.